New Day? So good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming out. However you've joined us today here in person or if you've tuned in online, I'm just so glad you can be a part of our current teaching series called Christ the King, where we're studying the gospel according to Matthew. Last week was Vision Sunday, where we announced the wonderful news that we're starting a second location in Massachusetts come fall of 2023, but that was just a standalone uh, interruption to our normal series, and today uh, we're back in our series on Matthew. Our text today is Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 to 33, and the theme of this particular passage is fear not. Now, let me just make sure you're all awake today. Would you say that with me? Our theme today is Fear not. That's right. Fear not. Now, when my kids were three or four years old, they weren't so good at fearing not, okay? Uh, every night they'd go to bed and uh, we'd go through the, can we just leave the lights on, I'm scared routine. And when they would express to me that they were um, afraid, of course, as a father who loves them, I would always try to bring uh, comfort and peace to their little hearts. Of course, I would pray for them, uh, but I would do something specific. I would list for them all the reasons that they had not to be afraid. Reason number one, you shouldn't be afraid because monsters aren't actually real. Reason number two, you shouldn't be afraid because there's nothing under your bed and there's nothing in your closet. Let's go under your bed and take a look. Let's open that closet and see so, so you can know this for yourself. Number three, you shouldn't be afraid because we lock our doors at night and we have video surveillance so robbers can't get in. But even if they did, remember, your dad's a crack shot with his military and police issue 40 cal. All right, so that's the fourth reason. You know, that's the third reason you don't need to be afraid. And then number four, you shouldn't be afraid because daddy's only 20 feet down the hall and it's daddy's job to protect you. Now, I want to relate this to what we're studying today. Over the last few weeks, Jesus has been talking to us about working as laborers in God's harvest field. And he's been very upfront with us that as we work to reap a harvest of souls for God in a world that's hostile to Christ, we will often find ourselves um, the object of people's hostility and ire making us feel as if we're ministering as sheep among wolves. Jesus has let us know that sometimes when we share our faith, we will be ridiculed, mischaracterized, lied about, and ostracized. And he wants us to know and he understands that the prospect of being treated this way can create in us fear. In the same way that the prospect of going to bed at night with the lights out can create fear in a toddler. And again, Jesus knows this. So in our passage today, to bring peace and comfort to our scared little hearts, Jesus shares with us various reasons to not be afraid to work as a laborer in God's harvest field. He gives us various reasons to not be afraid to share our faith despite the persecution that might come as a result. Let me read you our text, and then I'll do my very best to explain it. We pick up reading in verse 26 of Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says, so have no fear of them, that is, those who would mistreat you. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden 
that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. Friends, in this passage, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that we will be afraid as we share our faith. So what he does is give us four reasons to share our faith despite our fears. So what we're going to see in our passage today is four motivators that will inspire us to be faithful in sharing our faith despite the fears that we will have as we do so. All right, let's get into these four motivators. Motivator number one is this. Jesus says, here's why you can go ahead and share your faith despite your fears. If you will just remember this, you'll be able to do it. And he says, remember the punishment of the Lord. Few things will motivate us more than remembering the punishment of the Lord. Here's what Jesus is talking about. He's speaking to the spiritual need of lost people. Jesus here is referring to the coming judgment, where God will reward the righteous and punish the wicked. Here Jesus is bringing to our attention the reality that all who die apart from Christ will spend eternity apart from God. And when we keep this in mind, it will motivate us to share our faith for their benefit, despite how afraid we might be to do so. And this is what Jesus is drawing our attention to in verse 26. Take a look. He says, so have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. So anytime Jesus is talking about uncovering what's hidden and exposing what's not known, he's referring to the coming judgment. Solomon spoke of this day in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 saying, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Likewise, the Apostle Paul spoke of this day in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, saying, judge nothing before the appointed time, before the time of judgment. Wait till the Lord comes. At that time, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's heart. So friends, do you see, he's talking about the coming judgment. And what he's saying is to prevent lost people from being sentenced to hell at the coming judgment, he says this in verse 27. He says, what I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. So friends, Jesus has been preparing his disciples uh, to share the good news with the world. And this took place, figuratively speaking, in the dark, that is, in private. But now, having been trained, they were to take what they were taught in the darkness and they were to speak it in the daylight. 
Jesus had been whispering. Again, this is figurative language. He had been whispering the truths of salvations in their ears. And now these truths that were whispered in their ears, they were to proclaim from the rooftops. And we have to remember that in Jesus' day, uh, you couldn't do, uh, you couldn't boost a Facebook post. There was no social media. All right, you couldn't send out a mass mailer. Uh, there was no way to advertise other than to hire and send out a herald who would go ahead to, to a busy intersection at the marketplace or what have you. He would climb up on the rooftop. In Jesus' day, roofs were flat. And from there, he would proclaim the news by shouting it uh, for all to hear. The object, of course, of shouting from the rooftop was to be heard by as many people as possible. So bringing this all together then, Jesus was saying this. He's saying the day of judgment is coming. So you need to take the truths of salvation that you've learned and you need to share them with as many people as possible. Now, in case you don't know, this is the primary reason that you and I gather at church each Sunday. Every time we gather here, you, God's people, listen to the preaching of his word, and in so doing, you learn the marvelous truths of salvation. They are whispered in your ear, so to speak. And what God wants is for you to take these great truths and shout them from the rooftops all week long. We can do this in person, we can do it on social media, but the point is this, God wants his message of salvation to get out to the world. Now, the thought of doing this can be scary because anytime we share our faith, we open ourselves up to potential uh, ridicule or censure. Uh, We risk being ostracized, made fun of, mocked, ridiculed, uh, being mislabeled, mischaracterized, and the like. So here in verse 26, Jesus reminds us of of the day of judgment that's coming, which he hopes will remind us of the great spiritual need of the lost. And Jesus' hope is that our concern and care for them will help us to overcome our insecurities and fears that we might have in speaking to someone about Jesus. So friends, that's... And that lost people have a great, deep spiritual need. We can overcome our fears of sharing our faith. Okay, now that you've seen the first motivator, the punishment of the Lord, let's look now at the second motivator, and we'll call this one the precept of the Lord. The precept of the Lord. And this is found in verse 28. The first precept is negative. Do not fear man. But then the second precept is positive. Do fear God. Take a look. Jesus says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Friends, fear is a double-edged sword. The same fire that you can use to warm your house now that it's no longer 70 degrees in November, uh, the same fire that can now warm your house now that temperatures have dropped, that same fire can also be used to burn your house down. Okay, water can give you a refreshing drink on a hot day, or it can drown you in a flood, you know. Uh, And fear, likewise, is a double-edged sword. It can be used positively, it can be used negatively. Now, when we fear man, the fear of man prevents us from using our life as a signpost to point others to the salvation found only in Christ. But conversely, when we fear God, 
Fear can motivate us to use our life as a signpost to point others to Jesus. And each of us has to decide who we're going to fear in this life. I love to remind myself of the Apostle Paul's words in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Anytime I get fear of man kind of stuck in my mind, he said this to the Christians in the church in Galatia. He said, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Friends, so many times we get this wrong because we're more concerned about getting approval from people than we are about getting approval from God. But friends, it's not man we should seek approval from. It's not man we should fear. Jesus says, fear God. It was Solomon who said of people's relationship to God that men should fear before him. And what that means is this, to to fear God means to reverence him, to respect him, and most importantly, to obey him. And the one who fears God dreads nothing more than God's disfavor. And if we're going to be Christians who share our faith, we've got to get to the forefront of our minds the reality that one day we will stand before God to hear his evaluation of our faithfulness to his command to shout the good news of salvation from the rooftops. And this is what Jesus was getting at in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. I can't wait to get to chapter 25 so I can preach on this in depth, but today I'll just give you the real high-level overview. In this parable, there's three servants, and they're given a job to do. Long story short, two of the servants are faithful, while one is not. The master says to the two servants that obeyed him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But to the one servant who didn't obey and who disregarded what the master instructed him, the master said this, you wicked and lazy servant, and then commanded that that servant be severely punished. And friends, there's a parallel here. In the same way, we as Christians are Christ's servants. And we've been given a job to do. We're to shout from the rooftops the good news of salvation. And on the day of judgment, those who obeyed as a way of life will hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Conversely, those who disobeyed as a way of life, who in so doing showed themselves to be false disciples, will hear this, you wicked and lazy servant, and they will be punished forever in hell. Now, I realize, whoa, Mike, you're kind of on, you're only on page seven, you know, like you're leading off with they're going to hell right off the bat. I mean, come on, you know, don't you just wait till the end to get into something so heavy? And I get it, but listen, here is Jesus's point. We have to stop fearing man and their disapproval, and we got to start fearing going to hell. Forget fearing the disapproval of those we share our faith with. We instead need to fear the disapproval of God on Judgment Day. The disapproval that will come to all who as a way of life ignored God's command to shout the good news of salvation from their proverbial rooftop. So stop fearing man and start fearing God. 
Again, when we fear man, it can prevent us from sharing our faith. When we choose to fear God, it motivates us to share our faith. Now, some of you might not realize this about me, but I'm actually a, a crazy introvert. A lot of people think, oh, a pastor's on stage, he talks to all kinds of people, he must be an extrovert. No, if I am not on stage preaching the word of God, I do not want to be the center of attention. In fact, I can't stand the thought of it. Um, I would skip all parties and never do anything social uh, if I had my way, uh, but that's just you know, not how it is. But I'm bad at small chat, I'm bad at one-on-one -on -one conversation, like I am just an intense introvert. So for me, it's always a little nerve-wracking to share my faith. I'm worried about what I'm going to say. I'm worried about how it's going to come out. I just feel awkward and, and whatever. So I have had to keep at the forefront of my mind the fear of God over the fear of man. Because if I only focus on the fear of man, I will never share my faith. Just this past week, I was at Costco and I had an opportunity to use my life as a signpost to point someone to Jesus. And my natural inclination would have been to fear man, to worry about their disapproval of me. But thank God, I've been preparing this for the last three weeks in preparation of today, and I had fresh at the forefront of my mind the fear of God. And friends, I'm telling you that it works. <laughs> when you remember, oh, the one I'm supposed to be fearing is God, not man, fear of God will motivate you to share your faith. Because it's not like, go ahead and share the good news of salvation if you want. It's a command. It's the Great Commission. With many people, it's the Great Suggestion, but it's actually the Great Commission. It's commanded. Amen. So friends, remember, number two, the punishment of the Lord. All right, number three. I'm sorry. Uh, remember number two, the precept of the Lord. Uh, the first one's uh, negative, do not fear man. The second one's positive, we are to fear God. And if you will fear God, it will help you to share your faith. Okay, now, number three. The third motivator that Jesus gives us for sharing our faith despite our fear is this, the presence of the Lord. So number one, the punishment of the Lord. Number two, the precept of the Lord. Now, number three, the presence of the Lord. Nothing will motivate us more to share our faith despite our fears than remembering that the Lord is with us in the face of persecution. And we have a great example of this from church history. After Jesus resurrected from the dead and ascended back to heaven, Christians were intensely persecuted uh, throughout the Roman Empire for the first 300 years or so of the church. In Rome alone, nearly 600 miles of catacombs were dug beneath and around the city. And archaeologists estimate that some 4 million bodies were buried there. And again, that was just in the city of Rome. The intense persecution uh, expanded throughout the entire Roman Empire. So millions and millions were put to death for their commitment to Jesus. Now, Jesus knew that this intense period of persecution was coming, so he prepared his followers for it. He knew that they would be scared to die because it's only natural to be afraid in the face of death. So he shared with them these comforting words in verses 29 to 31. Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Now, this is a fascinating little section of Scripture. Let me explain it to you. 
Sparrows were finger foods in Jesus' day. They were popular as appetizers because they were so incredibly cheap. But Jesus shares something that would have been absolutely shocking to his disciples. Jesus says of these little creatures that were so insignificant that they were sold two for a penny. He says, not one of them will fall to the ground, that is die, apart from your father. Meaning, without your heavenly father being there with them. Jesus goes on, and if God is there to support and comfort the sparrow in death, how much more so will he be there to comfort and support you? Because you are so much more valuable to me than many sparrows. So what Jesus is saying is God will be with you in death, and you don't need to worry about him losing track of you, being there to comfort and support someone else in death, but, but you know he'll forget about you. You don't have to worry about that because God's so in tune with the universe that he created that not even a single piece of hair falls from someone's head apart from his notice. So every single hair on your head is numbered. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm, I'm not going to not notice what you're going through because I notice even when the hairs of your head fall out. Jesus is saying, God will be with you in death. Now, I find this fascinating because now as we look throughout the New Testament and look throughout Scripture, uh, we see examples of this, such as the example from the life of the first martyr named Stephen in Acts chapter 7. If you recall, right before Stephen was stoned to death, uh, we read this, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So in the middle of this terrible persecution, God was there with Stephen. And at the scariest moment, right before they started throwing the stones, God let Stephen see that he was there in order to comfort him and give him the strength he needed in order to die well. And that's exactly what happened. Instead of screaming and pleading for his life, we find Stephen praying for the very people that were killing him. And we have uh, a number of examples of this uh, throughout church history. For example, John Huss, the uh, Czech theologian in 1415 AD, was burned at the stake for his commitment to Christ, but church history records that as he was being burned alive, he was found singing the Psalms, which was the hymn book of Israel. You ask, how are people able to do things like this? Well, Jesus has told us the answer. People can do things like this because God is with us at death. When we are persecuted for our faith, when we are put to death for our faith, God is with us. Now, even though we don't live, you and I don't live in an era of intense persecution, like the Christians who lived during the first 300 years after Christ's resurrection, even though we don't live in an era like that, even though we don't live in a country like that, at least not at the moment, we too are promised persecution. As the Apostle Paul put it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But when people mock us, insult us, mislabel us, mischaracterize us, and ostracize us for spreading the good news of salvation, we too can take comfort in the fact that God is with us. Because he's not only with us in death, he's with us in life. 
I mean, Jesus instructed his disciples, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. But then he reminded his disciples of this great reality in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He says, now, as you go, I know you're going to be scared, but listen, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When we share our faith, we're scared to do so because we don't want to end up all alone. We don't want to be ostracized by family, by friends, by neighbors, by coworkers. And so many of us don't share because we're afraid that if we do, we will find ourselves all alone. Jesus knows this. And that's why he's given us these verses we're studying in this particular point. To let us know and to remind us that we will never be all alone. Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right, moving on, the fourth and final motivator that Jesus gives us for sharing our faith despite our fear is what we're going to call the promise of the Lord. So we've looked at the punishment of the Lord, the precept of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, and now fourth and finally, we'll look at the promise of the Lord. Now, usually when you hear about promises in Scripture, someone says, oh, you got to claim that in Jesus' name. Friends, this is not one of those promises. All right, this is a promise that when properly understood ought to make us shudder. Here it is in verses 32 to 33. Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus told his disciples, plain as day, that persecution is going to come. Jesus told them that in the near future, they would stand trial in court. And that for some of them, they would be sentenced to be flogged. And for others of them, they would be sentenced to die. And this is exactly what happened. The Jews did the flogging. The Romans did the executing. The Jews didn't have permission to practice capital punishment, which is why they had to petition the Roman governor Pilate in order to crucify Jesus. But they were allowed by the Romans to punish by flogging. So they'd call in the Christians and they'd give them the choice. If you confess Jesus as Lord, you will be flogged. If you uh, deny that Jesus is Lord, you can go about your day. We'll let you go. Likewise, the Romans, who held the power of capital punishment, would call Christians in, for it was a capital offense to declare allegiance to any god or king other than Caesar, and they would give a similar choice. They'd call on the Christians and they'd say, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you are going to be put to death. But if you'll just deny that Jesus is Lord and declare your allegiance to Caesar, we're happy to let you go. Back to your family, back to your life, back to your job, back to your friends. And these were the kinds of choices that Christians living in the Roman Empire were faced with for the first 300 years or so of Christianity. And it's the choice that many Christians, even today, around the world, continue to face. Think North Korea or China or other communist countries where Christians are put to death just about every day of the week for their commitment to Christ. Well, Jesus says this, when you're in a situation like that and your choice is confess me or deny me, let me be unequivocally clear in telling you what I expect when faced with such a choice, I expect you to confess me before men. 
In other words, I expect you to openly, publicly, and unashamedly declare your allegiance to me no matter the cost. And this is where Jesus shares his promise. Jesus says, if you will confess me before men, then I promise you that on judgment day, I will tell God the Father, this one belongs to me. But let me tell you the other side of the promise. If you're ashamed of me, if you're afraid to be associated with me, if you're like, oh, no, 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 that's too high a cost for me, then Jesus says, I promise you this, on judgment day, I will tell God the Father, this one does not belong to me. So friends, the rule then that Jesus laid down is this. The promise that Jesus gave is this. You disown me before men here on earth, and I'll disown you before my Father in heaven. Through this passage and others like it, Jesus made it abundantly clear that he didn't want followers who were ashamed of belonging to him, and that there would be devastating eternal consequences for those who were. Now, I know I've already talked about hell, but the hardest part of the message to swallow is coming now, so just be forewarned. Some people mistakenly think that just because they've never renounced Jesus in a court of law to avoid flogging or execution, that they have never renounced or denied Jesus. But what I need you to understand today is that on the authority of God's word, publicly renouncing Jesus in court is not the only way to renounce or deny Christ. It's also possible to deny Christ before men by silence, by failing to witness for him, and trying to be an unnoticed Christian whose friends and neighbors and perhaps even family would never suspect of being a believer. If you're still taking notes, here's what I'm trying to tell you today. To secretly hide your faith is just as much a denial of Christ as publicly renouncing it. Let me give you a word picture of what a lot of Christians do. And it's a word picture I've given you a couple years back, but I'll share it with you once more because it's just so appropriate for what we're covering right now. Let me show you a picture of what my son Jonathan did when he just barely turned five years old. Take a look. <laughs> I was at work when my wife texted me this picture. By a show of hands, how many of your kids cut their own hair? Yeah, we got, it's like a very common thing, right? So yeah, he did that. So I cut my boy's hair and they know uh, that they've seen dad do it all the time and he must have thought, hey, my dad does this all the time. How hard could it be? What could go wrong? And so he just took a crack at it and uh, poor kid. He was just so ashamed of how he looked. Okay. <laughs> Sadly, there was no way to recover from this, okay? He had just cut too close to the skin. And so I had to take the clippers and I had to just shave it down to like pretty much bare skin. And uh, this is when he became intensely ashamed of how he looked once he was completely bald. All right. So we had to head to Target right here in Enfield and pick out a little uh, baseball cap so that he could hide his shame <laughs> for the next month. All right. He wore his new hat around the house. He wore it when we were out running errands. And he especially wore it here at church uh, where he sees all of his friends. Now, in wearing this hat, he was saying to the world, I do not want you 
to know about this. I am so embarrassed by this, so I don't want anyone to see it. So I'm wearing my hat so that nobody will know. You guys see where I'm going with this? Many Christians are embarrassed of their faith, and so they work hard to conceal it so that no one will know. And this plays out in a number of ways. Maybe uh, you're with your friends and you're having a conversation and everyone's sharing freely concerning their views and opinions and thoughts on the subject at hand, but you as a Christian are afraid to share your thoughts and opinions and, and views for fear of being labeled or misjudged. Or maybe at work everyone else decorates their desk to reflect who they are and what they're into outside of work, but you, not a chance, I'm not putting anything up that would let people know that I'm one of those Jesus followers. Or maybe someone asks you, hey, what are you getting into this weekend? And instead of saying, well, I'm going to church, you're just like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't want anyone to know. They could not understand. They could group me in with some religious fanatics, and I don't want to be you know, guilty by association. And we come up with all the reasons of why we are ashamed of Jesus and why we put our uh, hat on in order for no one to know. But here's the deal. Jesus teaches very plainly in Scripture that a Christian is not to hide his or her faith. In fact, I would say this, it's actually impossible for a Christian, a true Christian, to hide their faith. What that means is if you are someone who never shares your faith, you're always hiding it on the authority of God's Word, I would say you are not a Christian. And I think these next verses uh, affirm the statement that I've just made. Take a look. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So you either are or you aren't, okay? And he says this, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, it's impossible. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So far from hiding his faith, the true disciple of Jesus goes out of his way to let people know about it. Far from making it his goal to be inconspicuous, the true disciple of Jesus makes it his goal to be conspicuous. So in group conversation, share your Christian views. As you have opportunity, talk to people about Jesus. Put up that scripture art on the walls of your home for all your house guests to see. Wear the Christian t-shirt out in public. If you're a good driver, proudly rock that Jesus fish. (laughs) And if you're not, well, that's a different story. (laughs) And if someone visits your social media page, uh, can they clearly see that you're a follower of Jesus? You ever post one of these sermons that me or Andrew's up here preaching? You ever just make a, a post that would indicate to others that you are a person of faith? Friends, live out loud for Jesus. The list goes on, but the bottom line is this. Let your light shine before men because there's actually no such thing as a secret disciple. A genuine faith, Jesus teaches us, is a public faith. Public faith. Public faith. There's actually no other kind of faith but a public faith. Let me return to a moment to when my kids were in that toddler, scared to go to sleep stage of life. They would be scared. They would ask if they could leave the lights on. And I'm not about wasting money, so my answer is no. (laughs) 
but to assuage their fears, to comfort them, to bring peace to their little hearts. I would pray with them and I would list the various reasons that they had not to be afraid. And friends, more often than not, I was able to get them to go to bed. After they heard all the reasons uh, why they didn't need to be afraid, they were comforted and they overcame their fears and they eventually went to sleep. That is Jesus' goal for us today. He wants us to share our faith. He knows we'll be scared at times to do so. So he's given us a list of reasons that will motivate us to share our faith despite being afraid. And we've covered these today. Let's look at them one more time. Here's the four motivators. One last time. Number one, the punishment of the Lord. That'll motivate us to share our faith. Number two, when we remember the precept of the Lord, that'll motivate us to share our faith. Number three, when we remember the presence of the Lord, that'll motivate us to share our faith. And finally, number four, when we remember the promise of the Lord, that too will help us to overcome our fears and share our faith despite them. Now, let me be very clear right before we close in prayer. When I talk about Jesus helping us to overcome our fears, I am not talking about Jesus helping our fears to go away. That's not realistic. Two things ain't going to go away on this side of eternity, temptation and fear. It's going to be a part of our life. So in Jesus teaching us about overcoming our fears, and sharing our faith despite them, he's not talking about helping us to get to the place where fear goes away. Overcoming our fears is about being afraid and stepping out and sharing our faith anyways. That's what I did at Costco this past week. I, I, was, I was afraid, but I shared anyway because I kept at the forefront of my mind the motivating reasons that we have to share our faith. So don't expect your fear to go away. Expect Jesus to help you conquer your fears and share your faith anyways, even despite them. Today, God is calling us as a church to fear not. And friends, it's really a choice. We can choose to let the fear of man prevent us from sharing our faith, or we can choose to let fear of God motivate us to share our faith. So you see, it's a decision. Now, I realize that a sermon like this can uh, cause some people to just have a, a load of guilt hanging on their shoulders, but friends, I promise you that's not my intention today. So right now, we're not going to focus on uh, where you've been historically concerning this topic that we've covered today. Uh, I just want to focus on from this moment forward. And my invitation today is this. If from this day forward, you want to overcome your fears and start using your life and your voice to point people who are far from God to the only one who can save them from the penalty for sin, if that's you, then I want to invite you to join me in our closing prayer. So whether you're tuned in online or here in person, would you go to God with me? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Would you fix your thoughts on him and on nothing or no one else? And when you're at that place, maybe you'd say this in your heart to God. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for this healthy reminder to fear not. It's so easy to focus on our fear of man that we totally forget about fearing you. God, for all the times I've got this wrong and have feared the wrong one, 
God, I ask for your forgiveness. God, from this day forward, with your help, I want to overcome my fears by sharing my faith despite them. So God, I pray that you would help me to keep these four motivators in mind. God, help me to return to them often so that when fear wants to take over, I can remind myself of these truths and continue sharing my faith. God, thank you for the good news of salvation. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that someone told me the good news. God, help me now to go ahead and dedicate the rest of my life to shouting these wonderful truths of salvation from every rooftop you give me. Pray for your help. Use me this Thanksgiving and holiday season with friends, with families, with neighbors, with coworkers, with strangers. God, I just want to be used of you. May my life be a signpost that faithfully points others to the salvation found only in your son, Jesus. God, I can't do it on my own, so I pray for your help, and I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. We just went over four different reasons why you should never be afraid to share your faith. But for some of you, you're new to New Day, or you're new to church in general, and you might not have that faith yet. And if you'd hang out with me for just one more minute before you leave, I want to share why we have that faith that Mike was talking about today. And the reason is simply because we're saved. Now, Jack, what are we saved from, you might ask? And the answer to that is the penalty of sin, which is death. It's a spiritual death. It's eternity separated from God. When we sinned, when we rebelled against God, God said, hey, the penalty is sin of death. But, but, I don't want you to have to pay it. So what he did in his love for us is he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, down to earth. Jesus lived a sinless life. No sin, no death, right? But you all know the story. Jesus died anyway. He was crucified on the cross and on Easter, on the third day, he rose from the dead. But get this, he didn't die for his own sins because he didn't have any sins to die for. Whose sins did he die for? He died for mine and he died for yours. And all you have to do to accept Jesus's death as a payment for your sins so that you don't have to pay that penalty yourself is make him your Lord and Savior. All you have to do is say a prayer and say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I want you to help me and just decide to follow him with your life. And if you'd like to make that decision today, I want to invite you to take out your Connect card and check off the box that says, today I gave my life to Christ. If you do, if you're in person, take it out to guest services. We'll pray for you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and we'll give you a Bible. If you're online, let our hosts know in the chat. They're amazing. They'll pray with you too, and we'll mail you a Bible so you can get started on that new eternal relationship with God. Thanks for experiencing this message with us. If you've been blessed by what you heard, you can give a one-time or reoccurring gift at newdaychurch.cc forward slash giving, or text any amount on your smartphone right now to 84321. We would love to connect with you even more, so be sure to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. And don't forget to find us on the Church Center app for more information about all things New Day. May God bless you, and we hope to see you again soon.